Hey, welcome to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, Take Two. It's Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Ballard here to give you the latest of what's going on in the sporting world. Uh, yeah, Mitch, we just had to get that first one stopped after misconnections, but we're back. We are back. And just for the people out there that were wondering, because you asked it in the first take, the fantasy football teams are doing fine. 2-0 and in one league that the Yahoo website projected me to go 1-13, so uh, already a better season than I could have imagined that league. Uh, we're going for 3-0 this week, and every other league I'm in, we already have a win, so it's a good start to the fantasy season for me over here this year. Absolutely. I'm amazed that you they have websites now that can predict your fantasy status based on your team. But that's because I don't that's because I don't play fantasy. Uh, but we are playing a new episode this week. where We do talk about some of the latest matchups in high school sports, starting off with week six of the high school football season, because one in mind that I'm very interested in seeing tonight is the matchup between Jackson and Lake, a game that could be an early battle for a shot at the federal league championship Jackson and Lake, both at four and one, the polar bears just beat Perry. The uh, blue streaks just beat Louisville. And right now Jackson is coming in, having not, a, not a breakout game from last week, but a, a solidifying game from quarterback, a sophomore Lucas Eckerman, who has proven himself to be one of the top slingers in star County. Yeah, he certainly has Mitch. I mean, my goodness, 400 yards of total offense from the sophomore quarterback, just this past week in that win over Perry. It's a big test now for Lucas Eckerman and the Polar Bears this evening at Lake. Lake, one of the tougher places to play in the Federal League, and Lake also hungry. They got upset a couple of weeks ago by Glen Oak and Federal League play. You mentioned it's only week six, but this could kind of be for positioning to try to win the Federal League because both teams still match up with McKinley, who is undefeated in Federal League play right now. Lake will be at McKinley next week, and then McKinley the following week, week eight at Jackson. Neither team can get caught looking ahead because this one is the biggest game thus far in the season for both sides. But Jackson, after last year, Lake coming to Robert Fife Stadium and really giving Jackson the business, we know how talented that Lake squad was, obviously losing Will Butler, a quarterback, losing a couple other key pieces. Jackson losing their majority of their offensive line from last year and leading rusher Jason Davide. A lot of the same pieces there. Now, Eckerman did not play against Lake last year as a freshman. Eckerman didn't really come into the later part of the season last year, about the final three weeks before that playoff matchup. So this is something Lake has not seen yet besides on film. What does that mean? Can Eckerman continue to spread the ball around? This sophomore quarterback is playing like anything other than a sophomore, Mitch. He is slinging the ball to any of his wide receivers. He has a couple seniors in fuel line. Uh, Kyle Benson, Kyle Andrews, then you have a junior, Noah Kalanda, who had over 100 yards receiving last week and a couple of touchdowns. The weapons are there for Eckerman, and if they're not there on the outside, he is showing you he has the capability to run with his legs and pick up first downs and pick up big yardage, and that is huge for Jackson. Their defense so far this year, Mitch, has been stellar. The most points they've given up were still in a win. That was that 39-38 comeback affair against Mayfield in week two. For Lake, though, this is a team that has looked very good defensively. They returned a majority of their starters from their defensive side of the football last year. And this is a team now playing at home, call it for what you want, kind of with their backs against the wall, knowing they have one federal league loss already. This is almost a, as much of a must win game for the blue streaks as it can get. And you know, they're going to be prepared under head coach Dan DeGeorge. You know they're going to come out with something in, in some form of trick play action or trying to get Jackson out of their element. 
Could this be a game where Lake tries to control the clock? Could this be a game where Lake tries to match Jackson score for score? Or is this going to be a defensive slugfest between both teams? I don't know, but I'm really excited to one, be there tonight. And then two, be able to recap this game next week because we're already halfway point in the season. And as we continue to go on here, we're going to start talking about who the real possibilities are for the federal league champion. Yeah, Lake is one of the top rushing offenses I've seen so far. Nate Baker's ran for a team high 520 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. And he, uh, Noah Kabaski and Kale Jarvis, the quarterbacks of the team, have combined for seven rushing touchdowns on the year. Both of them had their first passing touchdowns of the season last week against the Leopards. So it's a, kind of a tale of two offenses right now that we'll see on Friday night. Two other teams that will play on Friday night, Ken McKinley against North Canton Hoover. Now, this is an interesting one because I, still, I think that McKinley's a pretty – it's a good chance they're going to win, but it's a case of which team is going to be arriving at Memorial at a Memorial Stadium uh, tonight. Will it be the team that dominated Warren Harding? Will it be the team that dominated Dublin Kaufman and Perry? But or will it be the teams that kind of struggled uh, with turnovers against the likes of Avon and Green? Now, granted, McKinley uh, took advantage of, of uh, the Bulldogs losing the Green Bulldogs losing their quarterback last week. And they were able to rally from that despite having, what, six turnovers in that game, five in the first half. But it, it's really an interesting game because I, I do think that, again, I think McKinley's probably going to be the victors at the end of tonight. But if if Hoover gets on the board early and, and McKinley starts making some careless mistakes, this could be a surprising one that I think could kind of throw a monkey wrench into McKinley's federal league uh, chances. Absolutely. Look, Hoover has not had the year that they wanted to have thus far through the first five weeks of the season. However, they still are in control of their own destiny. And a win tonight would throw Hoover right back into the mix in Federal League play in terms of uh, trying to go for that Federal League championship. And Mitch, they have Carson Durland at quarterback, which really, that was a big reason we were so high on Hoover this year. And he's still very, very good. It's what's happened around him on the offensive line, the backfield, the wide receivers. But if McKinley can't get to Durland and you allow this division one recruit at quarterback to sit back in that pocket and have time, he is going to pick you apart. He's that talented, that gifted McKinley is going to have to get pressure on Carson Durland. Tonight. They're also going to have to shut down any run game McKinley has, but if Durland comes out and starts hitting receivers and it opens up the run game, you're right. This could very well throw a monkey wrench into things for McKinley. And how does McKinley bounce back? You want to, talk about the tail of two halves last week against green five turnovers in the first half you go into the locker room down 27 to 7 second half you come back out and you score 21 unanswered win 28 27 green losing Samino manson in that game uh which could very well be for the season but to your point what bulldogs team are we going to get in, in terms of consistency right now from week one to two wasn't there but then from weeks three and four it was there and then week five it was there for a half. So there's a couple question marks with McKinley at the same time, though, you know, with Nino Hill in the backfield, he's always a, a threat to score, you know, with some of the other playmakers they have on the outside, both offensively and defensively, they can hurt you in multiple ways. So this is one that when you look at the record, you'd say, yeah, McKinley probably will win this. But if we come back Monday or Tuesday and record, and we're talking about Hoover winning, I'm not going to be shocked whatsoever. I'm glad you brought up the rushing defense because the Vikings have had their struggles with the with keeping teams on the ground maintained this year. They gave up 448 yards to Hudson back in week two. McKinley last week put up 350 rushing yards, and it was not only Nino Hill who had a solid game. He's one of the top backs in the Federal League. We know this, but 
Stefan Thomas, the junior, is a very different back from Hill. Hill's more of a power runner. Hill Thomas is a little more like, you know, crafty and shifty. But both of them had 100 rushing yards last week. And if, you know, if like Keaton Road for all for the struggles, some of the struggles he's had this year, the five interceptions last week, he's thrown for over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns this season. He's averaging more than one per game. So that's something where I think he can he can really bring in to it. But, you know, it's not only having to contain Carson Deerland for McKinley's defense. Zach Brogger, if he gets a broke, if he breaks away for a big play that could really throw off uh, McKinley. He had nine catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns last week. Uh, you know, uh, uh, could be a very interesting one there. And as we mentioned for uh, uh, for Green, they are coming off the loss. They'll play Glen Oak this week, and they'll try to bounce back against them. Maslin's going to take on another out of state uh, uh, opponent in Middletown, Delaware. Middletown's three and zero, and they're pretty solid defense from what it seems. They've only allowed twenty one points this year through three games. They've scored one hundred and thirty eight points. This is more so just trying to figure out what an out-of-state opponent will bring. Now, Middletown did play Maslin last season, and they lost to the Tigers 42-24. to um, Yeah, it's more so a case of if they can contain one of the top uh, quarterbacks in the area, DeWan Owens. The, the guy is putting up video game numbers. It's insane. So uh, looking at some of the other matchups in the Stark County area here, are there any of, of these that kind of stand out to you because I mean a lot of them right now beyond the ones we just mentioned are really good teams playing up against not so great teams this week it's kind of a iffy week I'm intrigued to see what happens between Perry and Louisville Hmm. think about this Perry's had two straight rough weeks in terms of offense and their defense just not being there giving up 40 plus points per game last week Louisville giving up 49 to Lake these are two teams Mitch that I, I feel like are almost caught in the middle right here of trying to figure out maybe their identity. Obviously for Louisville, you get that little leeway with a first year head coach and Chris Kappas. But at the same time, these are two teams that play different styles of football. Obviously Perry with the wing T. How is Louisville going to be prepared to stop that? And then where is Perry? How do they rebound after two weeks of just their defense not being there? And we know for as good as Perry can run the wing T, when you get down a few scores in that game and that clock keeps ticking and ticking away, you're not going to be able to run the ball that much. So can Perry keep it close? Can they maintain a lead in this game to where they can run their offense the way they want to run it? Or can Louisville really affect this and they get a lead first and build on that lead throughout the game to where they have to make Perry one-dimensional and throwing the football to which it hasn't looked like Perry's very comfortable with that this year. I will say if this is a, if there's any game for Owen Burek, the Louisville quarterback to go off on, it might be this because the Perry defense, they've allowed 980 yards of offense in the last two weeks, 698 of those yards in passing. So this could be a very, uh, this could be a very, uh, a good game for him to try and take advantage of a weaker secondary. Uh, but Lewis has got to put on the points. They've averaged only 13.4 points per game this season uh, a couple of other matchups here i wanted to talk about was uh well one that i wanted to mention a team that we haven't really talked about this year an ebc matchup between marlington and carrollton the the dukes have started off four and one for the first time since 2018 they are offense led by quarterback bryson mccord has averaged over 33 points per game this season they've only once failed to score 30 points in a game uh this season now carrollton's won two out of their last three meetings but carrollton uh, had a bit of a slide that we kind of saw a, a, a couple weeks ago over in Carrollton against when they lost to Garraway. They snapped their three-game losing streak last week. 
they are coming off a 41 point performance over Garfield in week five. So they're coming off a good victory and it will be interesting to see if uh, Marlington can put a stop to that tonight. A bunch of IVC matchups in here as well. I think the big one being Sandy Valley up against Indian Valley. These are two very good IVC opponents. Uh, and the Cardinals are coming off a big win against uh, IVC North foe Malvern. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see where the Cardinals kind of find themselves in the race for the IVC South. Cause it's Indian Valley, you know, Garraway, Ridgewood. They're kind of the big three in the IVC South Sandy Valley though, has made a couple of runs over the last few years and been able to kind of find themselves in the mix. But uh, the Gar- this is a big game for, for Sandy Valley to prove itself among this core of IVC South teams. I mean, the Braves that were coming off, uh, we, we saw them the big time sports show the other day, coming off a big playoff run last year, had a couple of tough losses this year. They've lost to Dover. They also lost to um, St. Clairsville. And, you know, Sandy Valley is going to rely heavily on, you know, their passing game. Nick Petro has been very good so far this year. Uh, he's also a big running threat alongside Chad Davis. Uh, he's actually had more run, uh, carries than Chad Davis, but he's coming off a big passing game against the Hornets where uh, he was able to put up some big numbers. And then the Indian Valley Braves, we've seen them. Grady Kinsey leads that rushing offense right now. Um, uh, so I, I'm very curious to see what will happen there. Uh, not, a couple other IVC matchups in there as well. We kind of mentioned uh, Malvern against Strasburg. Malvern's 4-1 and one on the year. Strasburg coming off a loss. Uh, East Canton taking on Newcomerstown. Newcomerstown three and two, which is interesting in the IVC, uh, the IVC North. Uh, they, they're competing there alongside Malvern, but uh, time will tell what they're going to be able to do against the Hornets. All right. Hey, Star County, it's your friends from the local board of mental health and addiction recovery, and we have a challenge for you. We're asking you to create a new habit and check in on someone every day. Nothing fancy, just a simple text, phone call, or note on social media to ask someone how they're doing. You don't have to be a professional. You just have to ask and then listen. Are you someone who could use a check-in? Text 4HOPE to 741-741 anytime, day or night, or dial 988. Brought to you by Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level up. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. Where you matter. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care. Where you matter. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostren Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. 
we partnered with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Ben Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. Happy Sardiversary with Sarda Rider Anthony. We're celebrating 25 years with our valued riders. And I absolutely enjoy riding the buses. I get to know a few of the drivers, very respectful, very professional just an all-around about good experience. It helps people get to where they're going, disabled, veterans, or people going to work. Thanks to all our riders as we celebrate Sarda 2-5 at Sarda. Let's move on now to another topic here. Uh, we can kind of go, I'll start off with last night's Thursday night game. Um, kind of just felt like a game. Like it, it wasn't like a standout game. It wasn't like an exciting one. It was the it was the exact results I think people were expecting going in, which is the Niners would win comfortably against the Giants, and they did. I mean, this is this is what more can we say about this 49ers team? They're stacked. They're stacked to the core. They are going to be a contender in the NFC West this year, even with Mitch. Like Brock Purdy hasn't looked bad, and last night he was able to put up some decent numbers: twenty-five of thirty-seven. 310 yards, two touchdowns. That's more than decent, I should say. It's a solid game. I, I'm st- this this format that they have, though, where it, it, I, I'm curious as to what get your perspective on it. Where do you think Purdy is? How do you think Purdy is being received among like outside stories? Because the team obviously is is cool with him. The, the the guys on the team are obviously cool with him because he's still the starting quarterback. He's the QB one now. We know for the future and. Despite being literally, this is the first Mister Irrelevant to have any success long term, at least for a year in the NFL, and he seems to keep having his head above water. Like, where do you see this being in the long term? Because if this 49ers team eventually, like, ever doesn't become any elite anymore, does that translate into Purdy shouldering more of the offense on his shoulders? And maybe becoming a quarterback in the same way like Russell Wilson was at the start of his career, or do you think this is kind of like a, a early, like a short-term sort of career for Purdy? Again, I'm not trying to say that Purdy's going to flame after a few years for those who are listening or watching, but I'm curious as to kind of gauge where his role in this on, on this team will be here in the next few years. It's a great question. It's something I actually had a conversation about last night. He looks good. I still think that he might be affected by the offseason surgery he had on that UCL that he injured against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game last year. And, you know, for all we know, if he plays healthy that game, maybe it's the Niners in the Super Bowl instead of the Eagles. I don't know. What I do know is their defense is legit. There's no question about that. That front four, Mitch, they might have the best front four in football to a point where it makes life miserable for other teams because they don't have to rush extra people. They can take that front four and get pressure on the quarterback almost any time. I mean, my goodness, they go out and get hard graves in the offseason from the Eagles. He has a sack last night. Nick Bosa, we know just how great he is. We played for that team that you have a shirt on for right now, so we know him really well. But when it comes to Purdy, this is a team that has signed multiple guys or has multiple guys to big-time contracts. As great as the 49ers are, they have a window right now of three years because – 
with how Purdy's played, he is not going to be making less than $900,000 once that contract's up, unless he completely flames out, which I don't think he will. I think he's a very good quarterback given where he's at. The system with Kyle Shanahan and the weapons he has. Elijah Mitchell as your running back two is a pretty damn good running back two option behind Christian McCaffrey. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Ronnie Bell last night, the rookie scoring his first touchdown, Mitch. He looked very, very comfortable in that offense. George Kittle, top five tight end in the NFL, and they have a very big offensive line. This team is built to beat you in multiple ways. But I also wonder when it comes to Purdy, if this team wins a Super Bowl, one time in the next three seasons, this year included, what happens to him in terms of that contract? Because he's going to want paid, right? You already talked about it. He's the first Mr. Relevant to even have anything relevant in terms of, you know, a year, to, which is as crazy as it sounds. Yeah, a year isn't that long. But for a Mr. Relevant, it's pretty long. We're, we're talking about Mr. Relevance. It's a, it's a shock if they make the team sometime for whatever team drafts them. But what happens if they win a Super Bowl? And what type of money does he want? I'm curious as to know how good he really is. Is it the system that he's benefiting from with all these weapons, or is he actually that good of a quarterback? I don't think he's back to form last year where he was when he came in and took the job once Garoppolo went down late in the season. I think he's still knocking off a little bit of rust. He had a couple throws last night, just weren't there that I think last year were. That's to be expected. You're talking about surgery on your throwing elbow. That's Look what happens to baseball players. It's pretty similar for football players, okay? That motion over and over and over. I'm really intrigued to see how far he can take them because I don't, we haven't had to see him shoulder the load so far Mitch, because of all the weapons. McCaffrey last night, by the way, looked incredible. He looked like he found more speed somewhere that offensive line can run block and pass block. And sometimes Shanahan just says, you know what? Get the ball in Debo Samuel's hands, get the ball in Ayuk's hands, get the ball in Kittle's hands. Just let our playmakers make plays. So I don't know. It's a really fascinating question. It's something that we won't know probably right away this year. But when you look at the track record Kyle Shanahan has, it almost makes you wonder if he plays to every single quarterback's strengths. I mean, look at Jimmy Garoppolo. When healthy, Mitch, he was a quarterback that everybody thought was a top 10 quarterback at times. And then the injury, we know Garoppolo's issue was the injury bug. We know they were high on Trey Lance. And I give the 49ers a ton of credit for trading him and coming out flat out saying, we messed up. We thought he was the guy. He's not the guy. To me, that says a lot about where that organization is, where that front office is with John Lynch as the general manager. I am just curious. I mean, like you said, 25-37, 300-plus passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I believe, maybe with the exception of week two this year, he, Brock Purdy now has thrown for more two-plus touchdowns or more in every single regular season game he started. So that, to me, tells you he's capable of being the guy. But back to your original point, can he shoulder the load as this continues to go? If if guys go down with injury, if guys are getting older and they can't retain some of these players, which is ultimately going to happen with these contracts they have, I don't know. And I think any moves they make at quarterback, whether it's free agency or the draft in terms of younger guys, cheaper guys, would be very telling here in the next you know calendar year, two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Um, it is really one of those th situations where the 49, I don't want to say the 49ers got lucky by uh, taking another quarterback uh, so late in the draft, but it really is kind of one of those things where if, if they didn't have a Brock Purdy parish uh, um, safety net to fall back on that Trey Lance thing would have been so 
like crazy for an organization that otherwise has, has seemingly had a spotless uh, track record in terms of front office moves uh, under John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan and the works. Um, but yeah, that San Francisco's still solid. New York still got some questions. They got that win against Arizona, but who isn't going to beat Arizona this season? Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very tricky, tricky year for the giants where, now it looks like the Commanders are probably the third best team in the NFC uh, East right now, which is not a slight, but yeah, that's just a tough break for the New York football giants. I want to talk about our team too, because uh, the news that we kind of figured was going to happen, it happened. Kareem Hunt was signed to the Cleveland Browns to kind of fill in the void that was left by the Nick Chubb injury. And yeah, we kind of talked about in the last podcast. I did mention a number of other names in there, but it made the most sense to bring in a guy who already knew your system pretty much. And look, I'm. I, this is what I said. No panic. The Browns bring in a guy who has been at a Pro Bowl level before, a guy who hasn't had as many team re- first team reps in the last few years, but is going to get the, all the first team reps he wants now. And I like where, what the team is doing. I like. I still like where the the offense can produce uh, to where team they uh, they can. If they can get themselves together at quarterback, obviously, they can match up with a number of teams in the NFL. The defense looks like a top 10 defense, maybe more. And, you know, you get this matchup against Tennessee this week. I know Tennessee is going to come in uh, with, you know, Derrick Henry in the works. But if the defense can keep them in check, I can see the Browns winning this. I think the Browns have to win this. And seeing this game is going is this game is going to be very telling because Tennessee has one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL so far through the first two weeks of the season. Deshaun Watson had the excuses in week one because of the weather, right? right. That's what I mean by excuses. And then last week against Pittsburgh, it, it was bad. It was ugly. At the same time, Tennessee does not have anybody defensively along that front that scares me as much as TJ Watt or, or high Smith, or even when Cam Hayward would have been healthy for Pittsburgh. This is a game the Browns should win. I think they will win. I need to see the offense have some swagger. This defense, Mitch looks legit, but what is different this year? Not only is Jim Schwartz playing to his defensive strength, but these guys are playing loose. Look, right. look at the plays they make. They get up, they celebrate where the offense does look tight. I do think Kareem Hunt does help with that. And this is not a shot at Nick Chubb whatsoever. But Nick Chubb is a very quiet guy, right? He's not a guy that celebrates when he scores a touchdown. He's not a very vocal guy, at least what we see. We know Kareem Hunt is that kind of energy guy. We know he is vocal. So maybe just getting a guy in there to where Jerome Ford maybe isn't at that level yet because he's still only in the second year, barely played his first year. Maybe Kareem Hunt helps that somebody's going to have to step up here. Is it David Njoku, a tight end that we're paying a lot of money? Is it Amari Cooper, the always valuable veteran? I don't know, but somebody needs to be able to have a little bit of swagger and juice on that offensive side of the football, I think, to help things go a little more. I think if that happens, I think it takes a lot of, not, not a lot, but it takes pressure off Deshaun Watson thinking he has to be the guy. Yes, he still has to be the guy. He's the quarterback, but... The night and day difference from the defense last year, besides the coordinator thing, is these guys are just loose. They're playing loose. They're fun. They're energetic. And they have that swag. I also need to see if Deshaun Watson can control his emotions. Because last week, back-to-back personal uh, foul calls, you know, the, the face masks, 
the altercation of the sideline, it, it wasn't pretty. The Browns should win this game. I'm going to pick them to win this game. But Mitch, if they can't throw the ball against one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL, it may be time to start getting that panic button ready because this to me is going to be very telling because then you have Baltimore the next week. And right now Baltimore looks like the best team in the AFC North through first two weeks. I also don't expect Kareem Hunt to have the workload. I think others expect in the first two weeks that week five by I think is vital for Kareem Hunt. I know he knows the offense already. He barely got to play with Deshaun last year. Obviously the six games Watson played. I am excited though, because like Chubb Kareem Hunt, did not get primary running back carries last year as the RB1. Chubb did, but at the same time, not to the extent most RB1s do. So I think Kareem Hunt should be a little bit fresher. And this is a one-year deal. He has something to prove because he wants to latch on with the team somewhere else. He had multiple offers. He took visits to New Orleans, took visits to Indianapolis and Minnesota. This, to me, is a perfect match because he knew knows most of the offense under Stavansky. And he has something to prove because he wants to get paid. He wants to show people he's changed since that off the field incident happened when he was in Kansas city. And so I think this is a match made in heaven. And I think this will take a load of pressure off both Jerome Ford and Deshaun Watson, because we know Kareem hunt in the backfield, always a threat for check down and to catch passes and make plays with the ball in his hands. So I'm happy with the signing. The Browns should win this weekend. I got a question for you. Do you think this is real? In the uh, the burner account was real. I wasn't going to bring it up. It is oh, I was. very interesting, um, given the time frame and the first tweets going out. It, it I don't know. <sighs> I hope it's not, but it's hard not to imagine. It's hard not to think it could also be him, it, given the timeline of everything happening. Yeah, here's the thing. The, number one, obviously, there are a number of athletes we've seen exposed in the past with burner accounts. Kevin Durant, uh, the guy from the Philadelphia 76ers, the GM. But, like, there are so many replies, and so many of them are so broad that I cannot believe it would be a grown man replying to every single anti-Deshaun Watson post about him right now. And there is frustration, I'm sure, from Watson because of the way he's playing right now, the way some people think about him. There is a thing, too, I've seen in some in some with between some not media person uh, uh, personalities for, for in the Cleveland area, but like a lot of prominent people with a Twitter account can like post whatever they want about Watson. And, and Watson's been kind of seemingly seemingly blocking them lately uh i've seen a couple of names in there as well that that's so stupid to me because it's almost like they're wearing a badge of honor and i'm like you're doing this for a guy that plays for your team now granted there are factors in that play into that matter that could be different than your average browns player who might just be playing poorly um but i don't know this whole thing is just nonsense to me and it's one of the things that social media just brews up from time to time and I, I find it so interesting that so many people get hellbent over the fact that he's blocking people on Twitter. You know, you everybody has the social media they want to have. For sure. Deshaun Watson, if he has negative things popping up in his timeline, he, I, Mitch, I think you and I both know he knows he is not back to form yet, right? Right. Whether that burner account is his or not. So if he's going to block things that he's seen that are negative about him, so what? Yeah, people could say, oh, he's a professional athlete, he needs to deal with it, right? He hears worse things at a stadium from the opposing fans. Yeah, it's probably true. Oh, he has $230 million. He's rich. Yeah, it's fine. 
if he has to block people to get rid of some outside noise, that's fine too. Like, I don't have a problem with that. I'd rather see that than him go at reporters like we saw other former quarterbacks of ours do, like Baker at times, right? I, I'd rather see this because to me, it takes out a whole element of going back and forth, creating that rift between the media that covers the Browns, and then also having personal vendettas potentially and eventually against Browns players. We, How many players have we seen this with before? both in Cleveland and not in Cleveland throughout the NFL. It just, if he's going to block people, let him block people. It does not bother me. And if he blocks me, I don't care. I really, I really don't. I, don't I was going to say, do you block, have you ever blocked people before? Besides spam accounts that they tag you in those. Mm, weird. Okay. Okay. So That's fair. I don't, think, I don't think I've blocked any like person for any reason. I really yeah. don't. I've I, muted that before. Cause, like, I just don't care about seeing people's tweets, but. No, I don't think I've like I've not out of block someone. I made a rule what a long time ago. I'm never gonna block at well, actually. Well, I'll get to the story in a second, but I never was gonna block people for malicious reasons or people who are trying to like go after me. Nobody goes after me. I have 300 followers. Um I'm gonna go after you now. But um yeah, I, I've muted certain things, especially after like big losses where it's like I don't want I, and they still don't do and they still don't do a good job of leaking them through my timeline. But like if the Browns lose embarrassingly, like I could have done it last week, I would just mute words like Browns, Steelers, Watson, like stuff like that. And then I'll, and then but I only set it for that. They give you an option where it's like a day, seven days forever. I usually do it for like a week. Um, I blocked my mom once because uh, I don't know why there was just a thing where like she was on social media when I was. When I was like a teenager and I saw her Twitter page one day, it's like, oh, she's on here now. It's like one of the, like, you, 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 remember, you remember that feeling where it's like you went on Facebook when you were younger and it's like, and you see your mom or your dad come across the account. It's like, oh, they're on there now. And you don't, yep. you kind of don't want them to see it. Even if you're doing nothing wrong, you're just like, oh, yep. I don't want to have them be yep. seeing this. Uh, so yeah, I, I blocked her for a while. And then I realized that's the, that's the woman who, birthed and raised me so i'm like i can't i can't block this woman and it is now time for another segment of fuel move recover featuring dr michaela iono physical therapist and president of advancing athletics michaela thank you so much for taking the time once again this week no problem mitch i mean we're going to get into a topic here that uh, we had planned initially but it is uh in the last couple of days become more relevant than ever lower body injuries in the wake mm-hmm. of certain things we saw on monday night with uh, nick chubb with the cleveland browns sustaining a season ending and potentially more injury mm-hmm. um there's a there's a big emphasis especially on parts of the body to where they seem the most distant from what's going on up here. So with that, I kind of wanted to take us through the importance of, you know, certain types of lower body injuries, what types there are and, you know, what the recovery times may be. But I kind of want to get your general thoughts first on, you know, how to treat lower body injuries, how affecting, affecting they can be and, you know, what the process may be for someone who sustains one of these. Yeah, it's, it's, Funny, Mitch, because, you know, like interesting, funny, not funny, funny, of course, you know, we had planned this topic, um, you know, last week or whenever it was. um, And then, you know, Nick uh, gets hurt on Monday. And, um, you know, as we roll into discussing this and kind of breaking it down, just, you know, the first thing, of course, I say, as always, is that this is not medical advice and that you should consult your school's athletic trainer, a physical therapist that you know, or someone like me, or, you know, um, a medical doctor, if 
you are dealing with any of these things or you have an athlete that's dealing with any of these things. What's so tricky about all this is, you know, not only does your heart go out for like Nick Chubb because he's like, you know, the heart and soul of what we, you know, like the champion here in Northeast Ohio, it's like super cliche, but like really genuine too. Um, And the thing that makes it so tough is just remembering that these, you know, guys like Nick Chubb are professional athletes and um, they're grown men um who and women of course who have these uh experiences on the job and typically if we can kind of like get things put back together then they will just go back to working the way they did before how old's nick do you remember i think he's like i believe he's around 27 if i'm not yeah, mistaken 27 so he's reached skeletal maturity um the harder one was when he got hurt in 2015. Some people may not know he had a devastating uh, knee injury um, in college that he was able to recover from. That one was actually more applicable to what we're discussing now because he wasn't skeletally skeletally mature then. So that's the big thing that we have to like kind of separate this stuff out with is like adults versus kiddos. The the hard part is, is that, you know, the, the athletes that we're mostly talking about are, haven't fully developed yet. And if we do not, um, get this injury to recover fully, um, there could be long-term quote unquote disability, um, you know, limitations, pain, um, weakness, stiffness, stuff like that. And, or, uh, deformities, um, which, you know, because of they're still literally growing, you know, which we'll talk about um, later on in the, in the segment. I think that the other thing that's really important is why we take a different approach is the access to resources. You know, these, we just talked last week about what was it like 20% of high schools don't even have an athletic trainer for goodness sakes, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, um, uh, pro athletes that, you know, of course they have a whole team, but they have access to that team every day. So like just a couple examples um, to like give some context here. First of all, um, when I worked, I, I did an internship um, when I was still in school at, at uh, um, Exos, which is formerly known as Athletes Performance. It's one of the primary places where athletes train, football players train for the combine. And the football players that were injured and coming in uh, to our facility, they were literally getting PT every single day. Me, you know, I, I will get to see a kid maybe once or twice a week. Um, and um, part of the reason why, and I don't take insurance in part because I can give a more personalized approach for sport injuries. But if you're going through your insurance, you only have 10 visits for the whole year, you know, like um, the costs can really, really be prohibitive. And so that's one th- reason why we are more conservative. We just can't get these ca- kids the care that um, maybe would they could benefit from. And then, you know, the reason why we also want to take more care is that these injuries can linger. I got, uh, I rolled my ankle uh, during a uh, JV basketball game my sophomore year of high school, and I didn't rehab it fully. And uh, I ended up having to have, it ended up becoming chronically unstable. I'd sprain it all the time and actually had to have my ankle reconstructed uh, after my freshman year of football in college, 
And I missed two years because I was rehabbing from that. And then I uh, hurt my back. And so I missed half of my uh, career just because of, you know, the trickle down effect of, you know, these things kind of piling up. The last thing is that pro athletes are mutants. They're not regular people like the rest of us. Um, even though they do get hurt and stuff like that, they heal so much better. They respond to physical training, mental training so much, so much more robustly than we do. Some, some of uh, our listeners may remember Brian Erlacher. He was, he is in the hall of fame now um, as a linebacker for, he spent his entire year uh, career with the Chicago bears. He was recruited as a safety and a kick returner to New Mexico state. He was scrawny, six foot four, or he was like six, two. He grew two more inches in college and he put on like 60 pounds of muscle from the time he got into college to the time he ended. And he didn't lose any of his speed. That's not normal. Most of, most of the time it's a trade-off for us. Normal humans, you get to be thin and fast or big and strong. Um, you don't get both. But these people that are like the top percent of the top percent, like their bodies are just going to be more responsive. And so they're not going to be as impacted by some injuries like what um, the kids that we watch on Fridays and Saturdays are. I see. So let's go through some of the uh, lower half uh, injuries that could take an effect on some people. One of the things we listed here, we're kind of going to go from from least catastrophic to potentially major catastrophe. Mm -hmm. So starting off with sprains and strains in the lower half. So, um, okay. So a couple, couple things just for those of you who don't know, the first thing is, uh, common areas are feet, ankles, knees, and we grade the severity of the injury, um, from one to three. A one is like, you know, you roll your ankle and, you know, it's kind of sore, but you can still like pretty much play on it. Just maybe tape it up and you do some rehab with your trainer or PT while you're going through a two is, you know, maybe something think like an MCL sprain, my knee hurts. It feels somewhat unstable. I need a few weeks off, um, for the pain to go down, the swelling to go down, and then I can go back. And then number three is a rupture, a complete tear. So just be mindful that you're going to hear like a tear, like, oh, he tore his, you know, his um, hamstring. Tear is the word that we also use as sprain. Rupture is the word that some people, um, when some people hear tear, they think rupture, but that's not how we use it. So that's important to um, differentiate. Typically ligament sprains, um, so uh, sprains and strains, uh, ligaments, non-contractile things, ACLs, MCLs, ankle ligaments, things like that. Um, those are um, non-contractile things that just kind of like support joints. And uh, typically those heal well. They, uh, you may or may not need some rehab for it. And then you can kind of just go about your merry way. Whereas muscle strains um, are when you're actually tearing the actual like soft jiggly things in the muscle, um, those have that same scale, but those can linger because A, you have to use that muscle. That muscle's strength is part of what makes it work and part of what also made it tear. 
And then the other hard thing too, is that they often can linger because they are typically a sign of, of something bigger going on. A muscle imbalance, the front is stronger or weaker than the back, you know, maybe a movement pattern, you know, glutes not working as well as hamstrings or calves or whatnot, you know, like uh, a good example, Mitch with, um, uh, Joe Burrow. So, you know, he, um, the Cincinnati uh, Bengals quarterback, for anybody that doesn't know, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know who Joe, Joe Burrow is. Anyways, you know, he had um, a, he started wearing a, a sleeve on his lower leg and during training camp. Then he got carted off because he pulled it really bad, missed all the training camp, came back for the Browns game, came back for uh, the Ravens game a few days ago and admitted in the post-game um interview which i was i found surprisingly transparent mitch that he admitted that he can he's feeling the tweaks you know he can feel it like being being um aggravated and so that's a really good example of even though he is you know a, an incredible athlete professional there's something bigger that's going on and he's probably going to be de dealing with this for at least the rest of the year yeah i remember seeing that interview and going whoa um so there's mm -hmm. that, uh, number one, another one here too, is hamstring pulls. And I, I mm. actually had this experience before there was one of these, uh, back in, what was it? Middle school. It's not a good feeling. It's not a good yeah, feeling. Man. And, uh, yeah. we just saw it with another player we can reference Aaron Rodgers. That was a big thing that, uh, or mm -hmm. that was a calf, I believe. Yeah. Calf is Achilles. Yes. Well, but that's all, uh, but that actually fits into the same thing, right? So, I mean, the same like spectrum. So that hamstring injury, uh, who is it? Um, Cooper cup. He's on the IR. Um, he's uh, the Los Angeles Rams uh, star wide receiver. Um, he's actually going to get a second opinion because the darn thing just doesn't want to heal. Again, if these are things that professionals, professional mutants, as I called them earlier, deal with, then obviously the kiddos that we watch on uh, Fridays and Saturdays um, are going to deal with this. So you think about like a hamstring strain or like uh, Amari Cooper, the Browns uh, wide receiver who has a groin strain. So he was um, questionable for the game and ended up traveling to Pittsburgh and it was okay. He was able to play. So that's a mild strain that he was able to work through. Cooper's Cooper Cup's um, hamstring stra uh, uh, strain is more severe and is limiting him, even though it wasn't a rupture. And then obviously um, uh, Aaron Rodgers Achilles tendon, which connects your calf muscle to your foot. It was a complete tear of the thing that connects the muscle to the foot, to the bone. And, you know, now of course he's out for the year and maybe his season is his uh, career is finished as well. So the, but getting back to hamstrings and, and um, calves, they actually fit into a somewhat similar bucket. The hard part is, is that, um, is that these muscles, they really get challenged when you're working at nearly a hundred percent sprinting, full effort, jumping, full effort, making really explosive, fast cuts. And it's not until you challenge that muscle, you use that muscle at that near hundred percent, um, ability, whatever your ability is, are you actually working it in a way that, um, gets it to fully rehabilitate. And then the tricky part is, is that if the muscle is weak, you're, you have a imbalance with the other muscles around it, then you're more likely to even aggravate it as you're rehabbing it, which is what happened to Cooper cup. And, um, that's what makes it really hard. And I even deal with this too, as a PT and I rehab these injuries all the time 
it is really tricky, Mitch, knowing when to like um, introduce that high effort, really challenging um, movement or speed into a rehab. And the other thing too, you know how it is when you're running like max effort sprints, that stuff is not fun, man. So it is so exhausting that it can be hard on the athlete to do enough of it to actually rehab it. So unfortunately, this doesn't help anybody or anybody who has an athlete that's dealing with this right now. But these are, as I keep saying, big picture um, injuries, things that require evaluation and that you may have just been unlucky enough to miss out on whatever sport you're playing. And it just takes time for you to rehab it and then later think about why it is that this is happening either in your training at the school or with private organizations like what athletes do with me. So we go over from hamstrings over to something that I think we can go from here to well up here a little bit. And these are very tough ones, fractures. I mean, there's different types of them. There are different ways you can get them. And obviously you mentioned here two considerations that you might have to take into account when uh, you might have this sort of sustainment. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, the in one way fractures are similar to uh like ligament sprains in that it kind of you you get a break it's bad luck whatever you know you either get hit or fall or whatever and you get a crack in the bone um we need you to get off of it rest it you know uh for a little while the bone heals and then you know you're off on your merry way so in some ways they're very similar to you know how we rehab you know, sprains other than, you know, again, the severity of the break, where the break is, um, uh, like that kind of thing. So typical fractures or buckle fractures means the bone was hit or, um, loaded in a way that's, it's not meant to be. So you get hit in the leg, you know, going like, you know, left to right center to outward. And so that puts a force on the bone that it's not meant to have. And so it causes a crack into the bone itself. That's a fracture. Um, the two, and we'll talk about the uh, another big kind, stress fractures here in a sec. The main considerations are, first of all, if you have to be casted or if you're non-weight bearing or whatever for some amount of time, well, there's going to be weakening of the muscles that are around that bone that pull on that bone. And then those muscles have to kind of be built back up either before you can return or at the very beginning of the return. Um, and so like you think about like, um, I know we're talking about lower body injuries right now, but Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie for the Cleveland Guardians pitchers. So they both hurt their elbows. Well, they've ha have been out for so long, not because it took that long for the thing to heal, but because the thing had to heal and then they had to ramp up their throwing from playing catch to then throwing hard to then being in a simulated game and then go play in the minor leagues. And then now Bieber is set to start on Friday. Finally, um, after all that time, I think he made one start after the all-star break. So it's yes. been like two months. Yeah. And again, he's a mutant or almost three months. Um, same thing with our kids in that, you know, whenever they give you a timeline, you know, for like, oh, he'll be back in like four to six weeks. Well, th the reason why it's a range is because we need the thing to heal enough first that we don't have to worry about it just breaking again or breaking worse. And then we have to recondition that body part for the demands of the sport itself. The other consideration is so. So just to summarize, um, depending on severity of the break, you 
may have a longer recovery because you need to get back in shape now. Um, even though I just got done saying that once the bone healed heals, it's healed. Um, but the other thing is that we're talking about the kids that play on Fridays and Saturdays are skeletally immature individuals. That means their growth plates are not closed. And that means that if the break occurs where your growth plate is, so your tibia, your big lower leg bone, your femur, and then you have the other main areas, your humerus. Um, if you have a crack near that or at that area, well, now all of a sudden we worry about the bone not growing straight. Uh, the bone, the the plate can close early and you can have one limb longer than the other. So there are real life long-term issues uh, and disabilities that can come about if these are not um, taken care of. And so that's another reason why we are so cautious with uh, certain kind of injuries. The other part, just to touch on quickly, is stress fractures. And these can happen in the lower back. Um, you know, you're kind of like arching your back and then you get hit or, you know, you're trying to hit a volleyball or something like that. And then you can actually get a crack in those bones there. So tennis, soccer, football, those are common areas. Uh, offensive linemen are at risk for getting these because you kind of get your back extended and you, your back extends so hard that it actually cracks a bone. So Constant low back pain is a um, potential like risk factor, something that we want to be on the lookout to get uh, that evaluated. And then, of course, the in the lower leg, think shin splints. That can often happen with runners. Shin splints is like, you know, an overuse of the lower leg muscles. And then obviously, if it's not changed, running mechanics aren't changed or your ramp up isn't kind of like spread out more gradually, then... Um, uh, that can turn into a stress fracture in the lower leg itself. Um, the one other thing, of course, Mitch, that we're not talking about is when we have ruptures or really like complicated fractures, I mean, these things are going to have to require surgery. And, you know, the length of time is um, simply going to be, you know, on the scale of uh, months, not weeks. And so, you know, it's almost like those things are, you know, kind of grouped together that we don't really need to discuss, you know, um, that we can kind of just, discussed together like that well the last thing we need to discuss is the type of knee injury that can really be uh very serious especially among young athletes you kind of touched on it earlier when your body's not fully developed that can lead to certain problems when it comes to these sorts of injuries and i mean how do you think that type of recovery is different from let's say we go back to nick chubb how he's kind of in the prime of his nfl career right now he is obviously mm -hmm. sustained this injury but let's say you know a 15 16 year old who still may not be fully physically developed might have a similar sort of injury how, how catastrophic can that be yeah i mean it can be really bad um the good part is is that you know your body is like you know, you haven't had a lot of injuries yet. And so the opportunity to heal is better. I think one thing I want to say right now, Mitch, is that, you know, some people say, oh, it's just minor surgery. The only surgery that's minor is surgery not done on you. Okay. Anytime somebody like, you know, like puts you asleep um, or numbs a nerve or, and then starts cutting open things, there is a risk for infection, for uh, things not working, for mistakes. And so it is very important that you take it seriously whenever you're considering having surgery, who's going to do the surgery and whatnot. For example, with ACLs, um, there are different places we can take. So the way we fix an ACL 
is we take something, um, a piece of like tendon or ligament from another part of your body. And then we kind of sew it to where the ACL used to be. Well, a lot of people come back in about a year, um, ish, depending on, you know, uh, how bad it was and whatever, how old they are. Um, but it really takes actually up to 24 months, two years for that to fully heal. So think like Odell Beckham, he comes back for the Browns. He gets cut or waved from the Browns, signs on with the Rams, plays in the Super Bowl, catches a touchdown, and then tears his ACL again. And even though the muscles are strong, that ACL cannot withstand the full load yet. And if you hit it just right, then you're at risk for tearing it again. Um, so where we take it from in your body how strong you are before it gets hurt. You know, you think about like Nick Chubb being able to squat 600 pounds. Um, uh, that's a positive for him. He's also a pro athlete, so he probably heals better. That's a positive for him. But this is his second very catastrophic major injury. That's a negative for him. So um, the biggest, uh, I think, take home uh, message is that everybody's timetable is different. And remember that these are pro athletes. We hear about a lot of the success stories, but we oftentimes don't hear about the failures. Think LaCharles Bentley, you know, Cleveland kid, well, went to Ohio State, went to uh, Iggy, uh, is an all pro with the Saints, signs his second contract with the Browns. He's coming home the very first day of training camp. It was like 07, I think. He blows out his ACL, has... Uh, it repaired at the Cleveland clinic, his knee gets infected. It gets a staph infection and his career is finished. So um, even for pro athletes like that, that, you know, they come back and just, they're not the same again, you know? So, you know, it's important that everybody remembers that your timetable is dependent on you and your body in and of itself and how well the surgery goes and whatnot. And importantly, time is a terrible measurement for recovery. Meaning everybody, just because you are four months out, doesn't mean just because Mitch is four months out of uh, ACL rehab, doesn't mean Michaela should be where Mitch was when he's four months out from his ACL rehab. And really that's any rehab, but just, you know, ACLs are just such major, major things, you know, um, and you can't rush it. You will get better. You will get better. You just, you have to be patient and you have to like follow, um, certain guidelines, which, you know, if anybody is interested in that or is going through this experience, I'm more than happy to help give more specifics that are applicable to individuals. Well, doc, where can people who may be, uh, uh, seeking out your services be able to find you as well as advancing athletics? Yeah. Thanks, Mitch. Um, so any of these, um, topics that we've discussed to this today, today, or in past weeks, you know, you can reach me directly, recover at advancingathletics.com. Find me on X and Instagram at Michele Iona, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-I-O-N-N-O. And then Advancing Athletics has pages on Instagram and Facebook as well. Thank you so much for taking the time, Michele Iona. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Mitch. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? 
If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. Have you checked in on someone yet today? This is your reminder, a simple text, call, or message. You don't have to be a professional to check in. You just have to ask and listen. Are you someone who could use a check-in? Dial 988, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a message from Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. It's heartbreaking for me. Um, well, heartbreaking for the city of Cleveland, potentially, even though I'm sure that, uh, where, where can I get it here? None of them really, really care. <sighs> Just another casualty, man. Just another unfortunate casualty is Travis Kelsey in what is being considered the fun girl era for one Taylor Swift. Uh, this is the whole thing that, what was it, a few months ago where Travis Kelsey was at the concert. He came on stage, I believe, and tried to, to sneak over his number. And then we heard the rumors, oh, they're hanging out right now. What's going on here? We heard, um, what was it, Ian Eagle uh, make the reference when he caught a touchdown the other week, Kelsey did. And this is via the messenger. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are nothing serious. She's in her fun girl era and strictly having fun right now. They've hung out twice and are texting. Oof, 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 oof. 
only because he's a Cleveland boy. And it's like, oh boy, like, I don't know. I mean, look, maybe this is not true. Maybe it's like they are going to do something, but oh boy, to be part of the fun girl era. Man. Right hand up. Taylor Swift has some bangers. If this leads to a real good song about Travis Kelsey, you know, eventually if they break up, if they get together, whatever it is, and it involves football, sign me up. Like I'm not ashamed to say that Taylor Swift has some bangers. Now it's not like I go out and list, out of right, my way right. to listen to Swift, but like, hey, game recognized game, best tight end in the NFL. It's gonna be most popular singer right now. It's gonna be called Let's like see. it's gonna be called like Arrowhead or something like that. Um I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm the kind of the same way where it's like, oh, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, like this era's tour that got sold out record numbers, like people couldn't even get tickets. And they're making this concert movie about it, which was so like pop, like pre-sales were so huge that they had to move the Exorcist movie from October, uh, what was it, 13th to the 6th, because that's the same day as the Taylor Swift thing. And they don't want to get buried by that movie. Uh, granted, that's because the Exorcist movie may, may not be as good, but this era's tour i'm like what is this concert that everybody's raving about maybe i need to go see it because i love going to the movies but either way this is just like oh travis man you're still doing good as a receiver in the nfl you're still on commercials you're doing your thing you got your podcasts <sighs> meanwhile meanwhile his um his brother just had the documentary about him and his family come out uh so there's that so you know good for them uh, what else do we want to talk about before we got to here? College football, obviously. We know Ohio State's going to play Notre Dame. That's a big one this week. Uh, but number of big games you mentioned at the end of last uh, podcast, and I didn't take a look at which ones we were going to look at for sure, but there are a number of top 25 matchups uh, from what I remember. Uh, a couple ones being the big one that we mentioned uh, the end of last week, Oregon taking on Colorado, the first test for Coach Prime uh, against a top 10 team. Granted, I still think that uh, USC is the bigger matchup, but the Ducks come in as three touchdown favorites at home. So it's going to be curious to see how they're going to be able to uh, respond in that way. Uh, we got some of the matchups here. You mentioned you, we have Florida State as well taking on on Clemson. Florida State still a top five team despite sneaking by Boston College last week. Now Clemson's kind of fallen off this year, but you know Davo could do something interesting. And it's going to be in Death Valley, which is not an easy place to play. That game's at noon. The Colorado-Oregon game is at 3.30. The same time, number 22, UCLA, takes on number 11, Utah, at 3.30. Same time, number 13, Alabama, trying to regain some ground against number 15, Ole Miss, a game which I could see Ole Miss taking, uh, for all things considered. We don't yeah. know. Um, Washington State plays Oregon State pretty late on the West Coast. And then we have number 6, Ohio State, against number 9, Notre Dame, at 7.30. And then number 24, Iowa, who discovered how to play offense last week against number 7, uh, Penn State. So, again... Yeah, you know, seven matchups there. It could be very, very interesting over uh, potentially 10, 11 hours of college football. And listen, I have a free Saturday, so I'm so excited. I'm going to break out the extra TV, place in the living room, put the other uh, Roku I have on there, watch multiple games all day. But don't let it pull you away from the fact that there's probably going to be games out there that go under the radar now because, I mean, Mitch, when's the last time a week, what, four? Is this week four or five? Uh, this is week four, yep. Before that one, two, three, four, five, six top 25 ranked matchups. And then another one of Florida state and Clemson. So seven big time games and outside of the noon hour, you're going to have two to three games going to every part of the day, starting at three 30. This is going to be a very fun early college football weekend. And there there's, 
this is a fact. This is going to alter the college football playoff standings, I think. I think some teams that we don't think are for real are either going to prove it this weekend or be proven correct by media that they aren't for real. When's the last time we had a, co- a conversation about Alabama not having a quarterback? They don't even know who their quarterback is. They, they, they played a transfer last week after they had another person start the first few weeks. It, it's a mess down there. Nick Saban is feeling the pressure. He's more uh, snappy at reporters than we've ever seen before. Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, like, you know, Lane Kiffin wants to beat Nick Saban. Oregon State, Washington State, obviously, them being on the West Coast, don't know much about them, but I'm always a fan of college football. The Ohio State Notre Dame Notre Dame game, though, Mitch, that's one that matters. That's the one that we care about. I'm really intrigued to see what happens here because I don't have a feeling one way or the other. I obviously am going to tell you I think Ohio State's going to win, but at the same time, they've been so up and down. They've started a trend on the right path now for two weeks in a row, but Notre Dame's also looked good. And yes, we've had a road game at Indiana. That's not a hostile crowd. We saw the the blimp cam when they were there. The stadium wasn't even full. South Bend is going to be rocking tomorrow. It is going to be a frenzy. Can Kyle McCord in what is going to be his first true road game in this type of atmosphere answer the call? And can the Ohio State defense stay up to the standard they've had so far this year where, I mean, even that close win, I say close because they didn't cover the 30-plus point spread. The defense, though, has looked stellar so far. And can they handle Notre Dame? Notre Dame has a running back, Mitch, that I don't even think is getting enough attention right now because I think he leads the country in rushing yards. And the conversation is not even on that. It's on Ohio State. This, to me, all the pressure is on Ohio State here. I think the media is covering Ohio State. We saw them win last year against Notre Dame. And for Notre Dame, this is a monumental game for their program. We saw them lose last year. We saw the Irish kind of fall off them last year, just not had a good season. So far this year, though, through the first few weeks of the season, Mitch, they've really answered the call. They've gotten better. They've won some football games convincingly. And they've had this date circled, I think, since last year when they took a trip to Columbus and played in the horseshoe. And I have to assume Notre Dame is going to come out and try to punch Ohio state in the mouth. And for Ohio state in the previous year, when they play a big time game and they get punched in the mouth, specifically that last regular season game, they have not really been able to answer the call. Can they answer and fight back and punch back? I don't know. I'm excited. Ohio state's going to win, but at the same time, I don't say that with much confidence because there's so much uncertainty. They're only a three-point favor going into the game. And you mentioned that running back, uh, Audrey Estime, who is second in the FBS in rushing yards, uh, rushing yards per game at one over 130. He scored five touchdowns, caught five passes for, for 55 yards as well. And then uh, Kyle McCord, he'll, he's gotten better over the last two games, but he's going up against one of the top uh, pass efficiency defenses in the country. Uh, they're second in uh, completion percentage for opposing quarterbacks, around 44.3%, 5.2 yards per attempt. That's 13th in the country. They're going to have to put a lot of pressure on him to uh, take a big chunk out of Ohio State's offense. But the Buckeyes have not lost to the Irish since 1936. I mean, it's not a rivalry that's been – very frequent over the years, mainly in bowl games, but this play, this play in and play out uh, a series has been very fun to watch from last year and into this year. Uh, some of those other matchups that I was looking at, one of them was Michigan going up against an undefeated 
Rutgers team, the number two team in the country. We'll also get Jim Harbaugh back on the sidelines as the head coach this week. Um, OU's a 14-point favorite over Cincinnati, but I could see that could be an, an interesting game, Oklahoma and Cincinnati. Uh, let's see here. We have a number of other matchups. LSU taking on Arkansas. We have, um, yeah, a lot of these are uh, kind of, they should get back to business. Texas plays Baylor. Baylor, I believe Baylor, uh, uh, what was it? No, they lost to Utah two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm curious to see where the Washingtons go up. Washington and Washington State this year, because Washington plays Cal this week. They're probably going to win. Washington's eight. Washington State's 21. So that could be a matchup that could sneak into uh, the pack, a sneak of Pac-12 team into the play. Again, this is a very open year right now. There's no team that I think is like so, so expected to just make the playoff almost automatically. It, anything could happen at this point. There's about 10 teams right now that I think could make a case if they win out the season. Now, obviously not every one of them is going to win this week probably, but there is, there's, there's such a discussion right now for a number of teams that could either be one of the expected opponent expected teams in the playoff this year, or it could be a, a wild card. It could be, you could see a team like Washington in there. You could see a team like uh, uh, Oregon. I mean, Oregon's the usual one in there, but you could see a team if they're able to build themselves back up, see a team like Texas in there for the first time in a while, Washington for the first time, Penn state for the first time, Colorado. If you want to make that jump, if they are able to pass these upcoming next two tests, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I agree. And I think that outside of Ohio state, I'm obviously interested to see what Colorado does this weekend. I think that that 21 point spread is a lot. I think that has a factor in that Travis Hunter is not going to play for Colorado. Yeah. I think the books also think Colorado might be looking ahead a little bit because next week they host USC. Could be. And that's that's another game I'm kind of curious about too, because USC is on the road at Arizona State. They're 34 and a half point favorites. USC is a very, very good football team. Yes. They have realistically the best quarterback right now in college football and Caleb Williams. But that to me, Mitch, could be a game where I'm not saying they're going to lose, but I think that game could be closer just because mm. I think they're looking ahead to Colorado next week. Uh, I just, I mean, we're going to have good games next week too, which is exciting. I think Ole Miss is a team though, that a lot of people didn't think could be a college football playoff contender. I think a win this week at Alabama to go four and zero, Mitch, I think that will move them up significantly. Yeah. I, I, I was watching a thing on Barstool the other day, like Lane Kiffin needs a like career defining victory. And this could be the case against a team that he used to work for. Um, that could help Ole Miss become a serious contender within the top 15 uh, and then potentially work its way through the SEC. Now, obviously, they have to go through uh, Georgia, I believe, to get to the to the SEC, get the SEC title. But anything can happen. Um, what was it? USC and Arizona State. They have one of the largest over unders, by the way, 62. I think they're the only team beyond 60 this week in the over under, which is. Actually, no, I, I was a lie. The Colorado-Oregon game is 70. These Pac-12 schools just airing it out, man. They score all these points, and yet there's only two teams remaining in the conference, technically, for at least for the next year. Um, did you see the one clip, by the way, of Oregon State and Washington State? There was, like, a meeting on Zoom, and it they, they usually have, like, backgrounds where it's, like, the Pac-12 logo, but all it was was the two schools' logo over and over and over because, like, no other team is actively – in the Pac-12 after this year. It was honestly kind of funny. Have you checked in on someone yet today? This is your reminder. A simple text, call, or message. You don't have to be a professional to check in. You just have to ask and listen.
Are you someone who could use a check-in? Dial 988, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. A message from Stark County Mental Health and Addiction Recovery. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level up. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care, Alt Care. Where you matter. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. Happy Sardiversary with Sarda Rider Anthony. We're celebrating 25 years with our valued riders. And I absolutely enjoy riding the buses. I get to know a few of the drivers. Very respectful, very professional. Just an all-around about good experience. It helps people get to where they're going disabled, veterans, or people going to work. Thanks to all our riders as we celebrate Sarda 2-5 at Sarda. You need to remodel your bath? You need JR Bath Company. Trust in the quality of JR Bath. It's fast, it's safe, and it's affordable. Call today at 1-800-664-2284 or go to jrbath.com. Uh, and then finally, I mean... We know the season's probably over, but the Guardians won last night against Baltimore. I was there for that game. The Guardians were able to break a tie in the eighth inning to score three runs. They staved off the Minnesota Twins for now. If they and the Tigers would have lost last night, the Twins were off. The Twins would have automatically clinched the AL Central. Now they're back in it tonight. They're going to play the Angels. The Twins are. The Guardians are going to play the, the O's again. And I have it on good authority. I mean, it's been broken already. But Shane Bieber is going to be making his return tonight after nearly a two-month layoff. Um, for injury and it's good to see him back on the mound trying to get him some some work before the end of the season so i mean they're not out of it tech they're not, they're not out of it yet technically but it's going to take a lot to make a comeback run and and which would real i think that would break the minnesota twins organization if that were to be the case if that happened 
Yeah, honestly, if that did happen, that would be one of the crazier things we've ever seen. I mean, it would take the Guardians to win out and the Twins to lose out with the elimination being down to one, the number. Um, the whole Bieber thing, Mitch, I, I, I'm, I, I look at it one way. I, I think they're bringing him back tonight to see where he's at. And if he has a good outing, I think that'll be the last start he has as a Cleveland Guardian. Uh, I do think that if he if he performs semi well against a very good Baltimore Orioles team that is going to make the playoffs, they're a game and a half ahead of Tampa Bay right now in the American League East. I, I do think that Shane Bieber will be traded in the offseason. I think they're just hoping he can go out four innings, maybe five of a good performance against a good baseball team. Um, it, it is what it is. I think that is also why we haven't seen Tristan McKenzie back yet. I think they're going to be a little more cautious with him, with him being under control and being younger, it's, it is what it is. I, I honestly can tell you that I have not sat down and watched more than an inning or two of any Cleveland Guardians game since that series against the Minnesota Twins, uh, which they were uh, beaten two out of three times and really kind of put the nail in the coffin. Um, I will probably watch next week in their last home games. Uh, as I know the, the organization is doing a giveaway, the last home game of the season with Tito. Thank you, Tito shirts I saw. Um, as a thank you to Terry Francona, even though he has not 100% came out and said he's retiring, although we do know he is going to retire after the season unless something happens. I mean, hey, maybe if they run the table here and the Twins completely fall off, maybe he comes back next year. Who knows? Hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I'm more so just excited for postseason baseball, even though our team will be in it. I, I love postseason baseball. I think there's a lot going on right now. The Rangers, one of the most reeling teams in baseball, all of a sudden, mm. this was a team that had not been more than two games back through the halfway point in August all year in the American League West. Then they lost, what, seven, six in a row, I think, five in a row. Mm. Uh, now they're back. They're only a half game back of first behind Houston, tied with Seattle. The American League West is going to get three teams, and it looks like, and it looks like the American League East is going to get, uh, you know, two or three teams in as well. So it, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Well, yeah, I was going to say here, the if the playoffs ended today, it would be Tampa Bay comfortably in the first wildcard seed. Toronto would be in there as well. And then it's between Texas and Seattle. The Yankees are seven and a half back. They're, they're out pretty much. Boston's officially eliminated, which is very fascinating because Cleveland and Detroit technically have worse records, but they don't have an E next to their names because of the divisional race. Uh, so, yeah, and then on the west side, Philadelphia, Arizona, Miami, and Chicago, which is very interesting as well. Arizona's kind of jumped up they've won five in a row and i don't think people are talking about them very much just because they're not they're kind of an out there team but who knows maybe the maybe they can make a run here in the next coming weeks um so there's that now before we go i want to bring up this because i saw it on tiktok and you meant we were talking about because of the guardians like a, a crazy run that they could have at the end of the season i saw a tiktok the other day that was uh it was like a versus uh thing and it was MLB The Show intros. I don't know if you played MLB The Show very much growing up. I was like, well, I was a 2K kid growing up on the PlayStation. And then I got into, two, into the show when I was able to go to the next-gen consoles on PS4 and beyond. But they had this uh, debate. Which was the better intro for their games? And I'm going to pull it up here on the screen. Uh, the first one was MLB The Show 12. And this was the year after the uh, crazy... 162 games 162 uh run that the wild card had for the american league and the national league for uh uh atlanta and st louis and then boston and tampa bay do you remember did you play this game mitch 
Oh, I did. I did. I I am a huge MLB The Show advocate. I still remember like this was yesterday. It's unbelievable. Michael Bourne. Gosh, when the Astros were in the National League. I remember the O's kind of were in a game against Boston, and then they took the lead. Tampa, And then Tampa Bay, meanwhile, was – Against the Yankees, uh, David, right? Yankees, David Price, like, looked like he blew it. Oh, my goodness. This is taking me back. And then Atlanta got up on Philadelphia, and it looked like they were going to do something. Yeah, Dan Ugla. Dan Ugla. Carl Crawford, and he'll play a big part of it later. Oh, Yep. And remember, this was like the pre-social media. I mean, social media was around back then, but it wasn't like it is today. So we kind of had to like follow this as it was happening in real time. It was crazy. God, remember when you could block the plate? Yep. Baseball was better then. Jay Sutley, Craig Kimbrell. I, that was that was right when Kimbrell was coming. That was his rookie year. Chris Carpenter. This is probably honestly, Mitch, one of the best nights in totality in the history of baseball. It's what it's up there for sure. I mean, it was one of the craziest because we'd never had a situation like this in both leagues. We've had it in, in one of the leagues before. Yeah. And they were all happening in real time. I'll just skip it over a little bit so I can, uh, so I don't get copyrighted. Papelbon. God. And the O's weren't even playing for anything anymore. They still got the victory. And then that was Francona's last game with the Red Sox. Yep. Unbelievable. That game is what allowed us to take advantage of him as a manager. And then, of course, I really thought he was headed for the Hall of Fame. I really did. Longoria? Yeah. Yeah. He. I mean, he was insane. Like that, I mean, the Rays made the World Series three years ago, but that's the craziest I've ever seen Tropicana Field. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the intro for that game. And then you have this one, which this was my game, my first game on the show. This was... Ooh, that was the year right after Vince Scully stepped down as a Dodgers broadcaster. First of all, rest in peace, Vince Scully. And uh, yeah, he's this very long kind of drawn out thing. And gosh. I was a big fan of MLB 17, the show. I was one there and judge on it. Blue so, yep. And then Ken Griffey was like the Legends cover. Let yes, that's the one I had. The Legends that's cover, yes. Too. Robinson. Let's try to skip it over here. It's a lot of like the old school. Like the other one focused on the season prior. This one kind of focuses in on the great moments in in baseball history. Obviously, Lou Gehrig's speech. Um, actually, you know what? This might be. I don't know if this is a different one because I thought. I originally thought it focused in on the previous season, but uh, let me see if there's anything else here. Derek Jeter's play. Yep. And this is this is the only thing I don't like about it. Yep. <laughs> but it works. It really works well. Um, yep. No, those were two amazing intros. I, it's hard for me to choose. Um, 
the 17 had more production value, obviously, and more modern production value. But 12, 12 was energetic, and that was a really cool way to like show how awesome Major League Baseball was going into the last year, and then they had their uh, their game. Yeah, 12 to me, I think, was the better just because of how nostalgic it can get. And like, like I said, yeah. one of the best days in the history of Major League Baseball um, in totality, just with all the races going on at the same time in both leagues live, both you know, teams have big leads. You think, oh, it's over. Tampa Bay's not getting in the playoffs, you know, and then it just completely flips around. Teams crumble. That's what's fun. And that's what we're going to get to watch. And I just looked, the Texas Rangers head or play Seattle seven more times now coming down the stretch. So those two teams are going to go against each other in terms of who is going to be probably that last wild card spot in the American League unless Toronto completely falls out of it which I don't, when you have a team playing each other seven times, I don't think that Toronto team would fall out of it unless they go like two and nine and yeah. 11 or something. So it's going to get fun. We're going to see who the top seeds are. I think the Braves are still the best team in the national league, the American league. I absolutely have no clue. I don't, I don't know if it's the youth with Baltimore. I don't know if you, if it's Tampa just with, you know, the players they have, is it the experience with Houston? I don't know, but sign me up for October baseball, baby. Absolutely. Same here. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening or watching the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Be sure to check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also find us at BigTimeSportsOhio.com. We're trying to get back to our on the local broadcast network app here as soon as we can. Uh, pretty much at BTS Ohio on Twitter or X or whatever, at Big Time Sports Ohio on Facebook and Instagram, at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Bala, everywhere else. Mitch, what's the fact of the day? Uh, no fact of the day again. It's another shout out to former high school teammate of mine, Kyle Nicholas, getting yes. the call up to the show for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Very well-deserved, hardworking kid, was a great teammate in high school at Jackson playing with him. Uh, so very happy for him and hoping that he's not the only teammate of mine, hoping Dylan Dingler gets a call up here soon. Uh, and if he doesn't, hopefully he's on that opening day roster for Detroit next year. But I was going to say, he's on the, the Tigers AAA team, correct? Correct. Yep. And then, yeah. And then Nichols came into the Pirates game the other night, had a bit of a struggle, but uh, yeah, we just penned a post of that on bigtimesportsohio.com. So thank you guys for listening or watching the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.